In this month's Dhamma podcast, we present Chapter 7, Freedom Behind Bars, Vipassana in Prisons, from the upcoming audiobook, Realizing Change, by Ian Hetherington. Chapter 7, Freedom Behind Bars, Vipassana in Prisons. We are all prisoners of our own minds. Is there anyone who doesn't crave at one point or another to take something that is not his? Is there anyone who doesn't wish at least once to hurt the one who hurts him? It is a thin line that separates us from these people, who stare at us from behind bars. The same things that do not go beyond the threshold of our thoughts have crossed, in their case, the threshold of action. But still, we are alike. Inside our heads, we are all potential criminals. Doing time, doing vipassana. Karuna Films. Jails and prisons are places where criminals are put away. That is their punishment, and society is protected by their removal. But when their time is done, what then? If they are not reformed individuals, If their lifelong mental habits are unchanged, the likelihood is that they will commit more crimes. Worldwide, treatment programs of all types typically result in recidivism rates of 75 to 80%, about the same as if no rehabilitation is done at all. The public, and even many professionals, lose enthusiasm for rehabilitation and treatment at times. Crime rates remain high, criminals reoffend. Therefore, the argument goes, more prisons are needed. Is there a credible alternative? Since 1975, Vipassana courses have been conducted in prisons throughout India and in Taiwan, Thailand, Nepal, USA, New Zealand and UK. This unique programme is now attracting interest in many countries and offers something that could affect penal systems and treatment programs around the world. Seattle, USA United States incarcerates more people per capita than any country in the world. But will fear of punishment turn criminals into good citizens? Jail administrator Lucia Major agreed to introduce Vipassana into the rehabilitation program after experiencing a course for herself. The North Rehabilitation Facility, NRF, of King County Jail, Seattle, is a minimum security jail for inmates serving short sentences. It houses about 300 men and women whose convictions include robbery, assault, drug dealing and prostitution. As in any jail, severe alcohol and drug problems are common along with other economic, social and educational disadvantages. There are no cells, walls, guns or lockups. NRF residents are kept busy with vocational and or treatment activities. In a unique progressive programme called Stages of Change, treatment focuses on drug and alcohol abuse. Other available classes range from Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous self-help sessions to smoking cessation, critical thinking, 
parenting and acupuncture. Most residents do take part in the wide range of treatment, but how to break the cycle of reoffending? For major, Vipassana offers a real opportunity for residents to learn about themselves, take control and begin to change deep-rooted habits of thinking and reacting. With a lifelong experience working in drug and alcohol rehabilitation, she sees Vipassana as an experiential rather than a spiritually based treatment program. Spirituality is one of those words that functions as a container for anyone to fill with their own beliefs and needs. Speaking for myself, we all need a way to face suffering. Suffering includes everything from the knowledge of our own mortality and ultimate aloneness to the more immediate miseries of each person's life. At NRF, that suffering is pervasive. Inmates here, as everywhere, lose their freedom long before they are incarcerated. Ignorance, abuse, mental illness, addiction, homelessness, poverty, rage, hopelessness, guilt, shame, regret, self-loathing, the list is endless. When an inmate finishes a Vipassana course, he or she has had a glimpse of freedom, perhaps for the first time. Hope and confidence arise from the knowledge that the source and the end of all misery lies within. Because the Vipassana courses designed by S. Goenka are taught experientially, this is not just an intellectual exercise, but a real encounter with the deepest levels of the mind. Moreover, the inmate has had an experiential lesson in morality. It becomes evident during a course that the ethical base of Vipassana, restraint from killing, stealing, lying, sexual misconduct and use of intoxicants, are not just rules to be obeyed, but a way for the individual to rise above one's own baser impulses. The inmate learns that he is his own master, and this drastically redefines his or her relationship to authority. Inmates finish a Vipassana course with a much calmer attitude towards institutional rules and constraints. They also come out with a greater capacity to give. Usually the first indication of this is in their expressions of gratitude and a desire to give back to their families and communities. Lucia Major, NRF Administrator Inmates have forfeited their freedom. They know firsthand about suffering. The decision to change is theirs alone. No shortcuts on the journey inside. No quick fix. It was clear from the start there would also be no rewards or incentives for those who volunteered for a Vipassana retreat. Nor would they lose anything, such as a job or a particular residence. Head of security Dean Maguire had serious doubts ahead of the first course. I felt at the time that all the inmates would drop out, that they would not participate, that they would not give up smoking, their regular meals, their visits, their mail, their television, their telephones and their talking for 10 days. When I was told that, well, I thought, I don't think so. But heck, I said, go ahead. To organise a Vipassana course in jail or prison, a number of important hurdles have to be cleared. Key staff members need to be fully informed and committed to the programme to make it work. Since practice is the best way to understand this technique of meditation, taking a 10-day course is the ideal preparation. At NRF, it was Ben Turner, a nurse and long-time practitioner of Vipassana, 
who first proposed they hold a court. Lucia Major and a counsellor from the facility then took their own retreat at the nearby Washington Centre and returned convinced. To maintain noble silence and minimise distractions, prisoners on a course also need to be housed separately from other non-course inmates. They need their own sleeping accommodation, their own vegetarian diet, their own exercise area. The solution at NRF was to take over a wing of the jail normally used for offices or counselling and convert it into a Vipassana course site, complete with meditation room, dormitories, a dining hall and server areas ready for the course. Security, requiring 20 compulsory headcounts a day, was a particular concern. Fortunately, Ben was a member of the jail personnel and undertook to be course manager. He was able to take responsibility for headcounts and monitor behaviour so that security was not compromised. There were so many potential difficulties. Staff had to move out of their offices, different patterns of work, security and communication had to be established. But with goodwill and cooperation of all the NRF staff, the course facilities and schedule were much like those available outside jail. The first Vipassana course to be held in a North American jail took place in November 1997. By the third day, five of the 16 men had dropped out, but the remaining 11 completed the 10-day course with remarkable results. It was like a boot camp for the mind, but you are your own drill sergeant. I felt pain, mental pain. Like a soldier, I was going out there on the streets and I was waging a one-man war. Not just with myself. I mean, I was waging a war with individuals like yourselves, your children, your daughters, anybody that I came into contact with. The law. I just hated, hated so much. With everything I experienced in this course, I practically took the sorrow out of myself. For one, my shell of ignorance cracked. I began to see things as they really are right now and not from the past. We do things and we say things, but we don't really think about what we do or say. And we don't think about the consequences till afterwards when we're in trouble. And that's a lost cause. Ernest, NRF resident. Robert Johnson, who'd been to jail 45 times, took a second course after his release, worked as a Vipassana helper and got himself a job as a professional cook. His example and achievement had a powerful impact on fellow inmates and family. His mother, a devoutly Christian woman, was so thrilled with changes she saw in him that she took a course too. Three years on, enjoying regular life outside jail, Robert reflects. When you're in an addiction, you don't know it. That's the problem. You can't stop the cycle, so usually someone has to stop you, and then you'll probably hate that person because you think you're doing the right thing. So I was in an addiction. I wouldn't be able to stop myself. The way I'd slow down was by getting arrested by the police, being in some hideous fight or a car accident. It would take something like that to stop me. If I had any sense, you'd think I'd realise if I hadn't been doing drugs and all that stuff, I wouldn't find myself in this type of trouble. That's if I could take an honest look at myself. But I didn't know too much about honesty in those days. Because if I'd been honest, I wouldn't have taken the first drink. 
you can just do it one more time, I always thought, that I was just lying to myself. Robert's family was a mix of school teachers and ministers as well as criminals. A promising student, he had a dream to become a pilot, but the neighbourhood was full of addicts, pot smokers, cocaine users, and he found himself drawn to those out for a party, staying up nights high as a kite while trying to study. All his life he wanted to go to university, but it didn't pan out. Somehow, everything got mixed up with drink and drugs. Scared off flying by instructor's warnings and the doped-up antics of a fellow trainee, he quit the course. Next year, he enrolled at a college in Texas, away from the home crowd. The opening was there, and nowhere left for him to run. It all starts when something very subtle happens inside. I can tell you now what it was, but back then I didn't know. The fact is, I got restless. So, in an attempt to pass my time, I'd take off down the street, and when I drank some alcohol, that just made it that much worse, because whatever I'm thinking, I'm doing. Each time I got angry, or my mental state wasn't too wholesome, whatever thought popped into my mind, I would do it. For years, I'd gone past one particular store, wondering why it had never been broken into. And again, that day after my dad died, it popped into my head. It seemed right then. Everything was going wrong. Drinking, nothing to do, angry, dad died suddenly. I was terribly upset. So, very drunk, I cleaned the place out, loaded it all into my truck early that morning, not knowing the police were over the street looking. They let me take everything from the store, then blocked the street and pulled me over. Where are you going, Mr. Johnson? They smiled. I woke up in a jail cell. Robert kept bouncing back to jail. Out one month, back the next. So far into the jailhouse scene, it meant nothing to him. Eight months was the longest he stayed out over a ten-year period. There were fights, disruptive behaviour, driving charges, violations of home detention, each one adding to my record. Every time I broke the law was serious. It destroyed my life. Once you get into the cycle of going into jail and coming out, you hit the floor so often, eventually you don't bother to get up, because it's only a matter of time before you're in jail again. Whatever it is you've accomplished, when you go into jail, you lose most of it, if not all of it, because you get cut off from your friends, your family, job, your support. Robert took all the therapeutic programs, but nothing worked. He even went to church twice a day for a while, until something inside erupted and tore it all apart again. Then he saw a notice about Vipassana on the bulletin board, a way to break the jail cycle. Can I try? I was desperate going into that course. Didn't know anything about meditation. I was mad at the jail staff. They gave us all these classes, but nobody ever talked about how things change. So I just forgot those plans for the day written on my mirror. I never had the peace I needed when those other feelings came up and I'd land back in jail. So he sat in that first Vipassana retreat and gave himself a big surprise. What I got out of that course is something no one else was ever able to give me. Actually, it wasn't anything anybody could give me, so nobody can take it away. It's strange. At the very root of it, something way down deep happened. 
whereby whatever it is I'm doing, I never do it the same way I did in the past. If I get angry, it's a different type of anger, less, and with no big reaction. Since that first course, I slowed down enough to think about something before I do it. Before, I just wouldn't. Consequently, by just doing those things and trying to keep the five precepts, I never went back to jail, never seen a policeman. That's a big change, right there. After that course, I just don't react the same. Something happened. Robert Johnson, NRF resident. Spurred on by the early response, more courses were arranged at NRF for women as well as men. With some infrastructure already in place and building on experience, it proved easier for residents, staff and Vipassana volunteers to set up a temporary meditation centre in the jail's counselling wing and run the courses. Right before I came in here, I was in a really bad way. A heroin addict, pretty close to death. It was bad, and I was tired of that, and I kicked, and that was hell. I knew if I went back out there, I might not make it very much longer, so I knew I had to do something. And when I was chosen to go to the Vipassana post-course graduation ceremony for the men, I couldn't believe the change that I had seen. From that moment, I knew I wanted to do this. Susan, NRF resident. The women find the course no less difficult than the men, each one fighting her own separate battle. At times, the challenge of remaining detached and balanced despite the intensity of the experience seems overwhelming. Shalia went to a helper feeling unwell and on the verge of giving up. So I gave it one more hour. Then later on, Lucia came and I grabbed her hand and I said, I can't do it. I just can't do it. And Lucia said, I know how you feel. Because during my course, I packed my bags also and was ready to go. And then something stopped me. And she talked me into staying. And I'm glad that I did stay and complete the course. Shalia, NRF resident. From their viewpoint, prison staff witnessed immediate effects in the inmate meditators. I saw honesty. I saw these residents being honest about themselves and not lying to themselves anymore. I saw them being very open and not bothered by the rules. The security staff was here for a reason. The rules were here for a reason. That was what made me see there was some real change here because some of those people were behaviour problems before they went into meditation. They weren't when they came out. Dean Maguire, Head of Security Almost to a man, there was something behind their eyes. You couldn't get in. There was like this curtain hanging. Then when the course was over, you could see inside. I can't say what the course did for each one of them for the rest of their lives but in ten days you could see inside them. They were there. You could see they were there, whereas before they weren't there. You couldn't see them, and I think that's really exciting. Stephanie Maxwell, Program Director I came to Vipassana not as a seeker, but by accident. 
Now, I've seen the benefits of meditation personally, at home and in my working life. I try to keep improving, sitting daily, taking retreats when I can. Still, I recidivate all the time, losing my temper, cheating here and there. When it comes to jail, do we seriously expect people with lifetimes of serious pathology to always be upstanding and fully productive citizens from now on? At NRF, we're not looking for some magic bullet solution. We aim to work incrementally with each person on an authentic and subtle level to produce real sustainable changes in their behaviour. When it comes to judging the effect of Vipassana on an individual, we take a realistic view of what is meant by success. Who has volunteered to work on themselves in this way? What it takes in courage and commitment to get them through the course, after effects, the way they act in jail, and finally, when they leave, do we see them back again? Lucia Major, NRF Administrator Residents themselves felt different after the course. I love myself today. I do. It's a wonderful feeling. And these tears are tears of happiness. They truly are. I was really kind of fearful. Things I've been running from all my life. And it was right there in my face. And I really just had to look at it, observe and let go. I was able to do that. And there's such a peace and such a weight lifted. I can't tell you. Susan, NRF resident. I learned to work with the sensations inside. If there's some tense situation, like a confrontation in the dorm, I can be really aware of how I'm feeling and what's going on inside. So when I get into those situations on the outside, I know it'll all pass. Carol, NRF resident. Vipassana is progressive along a sometimes uneven path of transformation. Although dramatic changes can and do occur, so can setbacks. So much depends on the individual. At NRF, however, staff have seen enough to be optimistic and extend the program. Vipassana residents are encouraged to maintain their meditation. Group sittings are regularly held in the jail, and as more courses are held, they can give support by sitting as old students or giving service in the kitchen. If it were just a matter of effort and desire, they would all be better. They didn't have a way, and Vipassana gave them a way. He gave them a tool. He gave them a choice. Now I'm not for a minute saying that they will always make the right choice from now on, but they have a choice now and they didn't have one before. Lucia Major, NRF Administrator Vipassana changed my relationships, how I would talk, react, function around people. That's what the meditation did. I'm not a slave of my mind anymore. I can choose not to think negatively about a person. I can choose to think very positively about them. Vipassana gave me these type of tools. It makes you feel better, makes you act better. Some people don't have a choice in the matter. What they feel, they have to obey. But I don't have that anymore. Robert Johnson, former NRF resident. Lancaster 
UK. I knew it was going to happen. It's needed so badly. There's an amazing amount of potential inside prisons. Twenty years on since he did time himself, Darren Bowman went back to jail voluntarily as a helper on a Vipassana course at Lancaster Castle Prison in 1998. He'd grown up a rebel, getting tough with anything that crossed him, bosses, the law, until the inevitable happened and he was sent down. But inside this violent, angry person was someone looking for more, for sincerity and decency. Darren became friends with a woman who was everything he wasn't, but yet put no pressure on him. She became sick with leukaemia, and he nursed her back to health. Sadly, she relapsed while he was in prison and died. The shock was enough to start him turning his life around. Once out of prison, by chance, he took a Vipassana course. He bridled at the rules, desperate to run, but something kept him going to the end. The next year was one of turmoil. He kept denying any good came of his meditation. Friends, however, kept saying how different he'd become. When Darren sat his second course, he stopped fighting with himself and took the practice on board. He saw now that 100% this was what he'd been looking for. When the opportunity arose to serve a course in prison, he volunteered right away. I knew within five minutes of meeting those inmates that we were on the same wavelength. All my street life, all my time in prison was going to be of value. You had to do that, Darren, to do this. I never felt so focused as in those ten days. Darren Bowman, UK Lancaster is a medium security prison located in the centre of this northern city, within the original castle walls. It holds about 215 male prisoners, serving sentences from several months to life. Paul Thompson, the governor, had heard about the positive impact of Vipassana in Indian and US jails and was keen to host a course as a pilot project. The prison already ran classes on drug rehabilitation and anger management, but this 10-day intensive experience will be the first of its kind in Europe. Two officers, Chris Berry and Paul Bevan, had sat Vipassana courses and they took on responsibility for arrangements within the prison. They put up posters about the upcoming event and spoke to inmates about the technique. Prisoners knew these officers well from previous programmes and trusted them. Over a period of weeks, meditator volunteers visited the jail to meet interested inmates, show film of earlier prison courses and answer questions. A small self-contained area where prisoners and course workers could be accommodated with least disturbance was prepared. Eight men committed themselves to attend the course. Nearly all had spent many terms in jail. Familiar problems soon surfaced. Occasional talking between the students and furtive smoking. Keeping to a discipline that's stricter than prison discipline without being forced is tough. After a few days, a leader in the group came clean, saying they'd do their best in future to stick to course rules. They followed the timetable well and meditated seriously. As the course progressed, the mood began to change. One night, a veteran warder who'd just finished locking up other rowdy prisoners was astounded to see the meditator group walk silently to their cells. What have you done to them? he exclaimed, and then started asking questions. 
Next morning, he told a volunteer he'd been trying to observe his own breath during the shift. Officers who'd previously been cynical began to show a genuine interest, but in the sweepstake they'd organised, no one bet on all eight completing the course. And that was the outcome. A press photographer came to take some shots of the men meditating. One inmate asked him if he wanted to know what Vipassana was. Yes, the photographer replied. OK, said Jamie. Give me your camera. The photographer gave him the camera. Now turn around. The photographer turned round. Now turn back, said Jamie. The photographer turned back. Here's your camera, said Jamie. Before Vipassana, I would have been out the door with it. But now, after Vipassana, here it is. On the final morning, participants, their families and staff gathered to mark what had been accomplished. As the course went on, I felt myself changing. I was getting happier about myself and stronger in my conviction to stay off drugs. I was gaining confidence in myself and as I let go of the fears and ill will I'd bottled up inside, I felt love flow in its place. This course allowed me to blow away the black clouds in my head and forgive myself, in part at least, for the misery I've caused. I don't expect anyone who's been a victim of my past to forgive me as easily, but maybe, as they see a change in me, they'll at least accept I'm no longer that person. Hugh, Lancaster inmate. Darren, one-time convict turned marine fitter and volunteer helper, summed it up. They're learning. They have to do it for themselves. They've plenty of determination. Had to have that to survive. That's why they came through the course. Before, they had nothing. With Vipassana, what they've now got is hope. New Delhi, India Tihar Jail is India's best-known high-security prison. With an inmate population of over 10,000, it's one of the largest prisons in the world. For decades, Tihar was notorious for its inhuman conditions, a hellish, violent, congested coup where corruption was rife and the regime punitively harsh. However, a breakthrough came to Tihar with the appointment of Kiran Bedi, India's first woman police officer, to head the jail in 1993. Bedi had a vision of prison as a place for personal development and systematically set about broadening staff perceptions of their role, from guards to guardians, educators, reformists, and rapid-fire action followed. We kept using a lot of love and care, actually giving the prisoners love and care. I allowed them books, canteen facilities, better medical care, clothing, radio, outside visitors. Kiran Bedi, Inspector General, Tihar Jail. Mustafa, a foreign inmate from Africa, comments, Before she came, the most devilish evil things used to happen in this jail. It was a really horrible place. Ever since she took office, she did a lot of transformation. Before, we were regarded here as, I don't know really, it's beyond description, with sincerity, with a compassionate heart, she showed us that we are human beings. Therefore, we deserve to be treated as human beings. 
The atmosphere in Tihara improved, but Beatty was seeking a deeper change. Many inmates wanted to change themselves, but lacked the skills to handle their problems. How to give them these skills, the positive qualities the human mind needs? Unexpectedly, the answer came from a young officer at the prison, Rajinder Kumar, who recounted to Betty his own experience with Vipassana meditation. I was a very angry man. I would be horrible as a person, but I went for Vipassana, and now I'm a different person. Madam, if you don't believe me, ask my family, ask my colleagues. If you introduce this course in jail, it will help all the inmates. In fact, this technique had previously been tried in Indian prisons. In Jaipur, in 1975, prisoners learned Vipassana for the first time. The authorities relaxed their rules to permit the teacher to stay in the jail during the course and even allowed chains to be removed from dangerous prisoners despite the security risk. The Jaipur experiment concluded peacefully and its success led to more courses in other prisons. At Baroda, the superintendent of the jail was impressed by the effect of Vipassana on his prisoners and decided to take a course himself. The coordination between prisoners and staff has improved. Relationships between prisoners and their families have also improved. Prisoners' thoughts of revenge, after I get out of here, I'll kill this person, I'll do this and that, all have been wiped out. R.L. Vora, Prison Administrator, Baroda, India. Babu Baya was convicted for killing three people in five minutes during a gang fight. After a Vipassana course at Baroda Jail, he was so filled with remorse that he pleaded forgiveness from his victims' families. They agreed to put the past behind us, and on the day of the Raki festival, those two women came and tied a sacred thread on my wrist, taking me as their foster brother. Today, I look after their family as if it was my own. Betty prepared the ground for a Vipassana course at Tihar, sending some members of her staff to attend a retreat outside the jail and inviting prisoners to participate. Over 100 inmates and jail staff took part in the jail's first course in November 1993. Kirin Betty and her team were delighted. They had found a remedy. There was no looking back. In the following year, an ambitious course serving over 1,000 inmates was given within the jail and a permanent meditation centre was established in one of the cell blocks. It actually changed people. It made my prisoners weep. It made them cry. They had realised what life actually could be. They had looked within. And within themselves, they had seen the feelings of revenge. They had seen anger. They saw the disrespect and hurt they had caused to family and society. And they wept. And they wanted to be different. Kiran Bedi, Inspector General, Tihar Jail. Kiran Bedi was transferred from Tihar in 1995, but thanks to her efforts and those of her colleagues and successors, the Vipassana programme continues to flourish. Two 10-day courses a month are held at the jail centre, with volunteer workers serving their fellow prisoners. The process of transformation in individuals and the institution is continuing.
Change does not come the easy way. Change takes time. I'm not telling you I did a Vipassana course and bam, anger, my quick temper, completely went out at one time. It's still subsiding, subsiding, subsiding. Mustafa, Tihar inmate. A new benchmark in prison reform was set in summer 1999 when the first 20-day course for senior meditator inmates was conducted at the Tihar Jail Centre. Serious long courses of meditation are periodically given at established centres to enable suitably qualified students to purify their minds at deeper levels and progress more rapidly. With the full cooperation of the jail authorities, this was the first long Vipassana retreat to be held inside prison walls. Fifteen inmates took part, each with his own separate living and meditation space. The course was marked by perfect discipline, timekeeping and noble silence. So much so that even prison staff were amazed at the kind of environment that prevailed in the jail centre during those three whole weeks. Following a feedback session with inmates after the course, one senior official said he felt he'd been at a temple for an hour, listening to spiritual discussions rather than meeting prisoners in jail, and promised to sit a course himself at the earliest opportunity. Kirin Bedi, meanwhile, moved on to being a police commissioner in Delhi, sat her own first Vipassana course, and organised another huge 10-day retreat for 1,200 police personnel in the Delhi Police Training College in March 1999. A technique which is effective here will be definitely effective anywhere in the world. Prisons in the West, prisons in the East. Man in the West, man in the East. No difference. Difference of degree. But in totality, we are the same. Ram Singh, Vipassana teacher. Unlocking Doors Compassionate discipline within the correctional system is our best hope. Vipassana will not cure the problem of crime, but it will orient us in the right direction. Vipassana represents all that is needed, discipline, self-control, morality, compassion, and a keen understanding of the law of cause and effect. Lucia Major, US Jail Administrator I recommend that Vipassana meditation be available to every prisoner in the system, male and female. No one can undertake it without getting something from the experience. An individual has got to want to do it. It's not easy. However, the rewards are very great. I know there are people like me in the system who want and need help. They are sick of the cycle of drinking, drugs, violence and crime it's been part of their lives for so long that they just can't see a way out of it. Vipassana can give them a different direction, inner leadership, so to speak. And Vipassana costs nothing. Just think how much money it will save the taxman over the coming years if the technique can help inmates like me to be calmer and more focused on a positive future, both during our sentence and after release. Brian Worthing, Lancaster Inmate.
Results from a simple recidivism study of the first eight courses held at NRF, the Seattle Jail, show that two years after the completion of at least one Vipassana course, residents are rebooked about half as often as they had been in the two years prior to their course, from 2.9 bookings on average to 1.5 bookings. The overall return rate of NRF residents to the King County Jail system within two years of release is 75%. For those who have done a Vipassana course, the return rate after two years is 56%. Orientation classes held in the few weeks before a retreat have helped intending students understand the Vipassana ground rules and prepare for the course. Completion rates have risen as a consequence and inmates now meditate more effectively. In recognition of progress made, the U.S. National Institute of Health has funded a two-year detailed study by a team from the University of Washington to evaluate the impact of Vipassana on alcohol and drug use and other behavioural changes among inmates. Meanwhile, early in 2001, after two and a half years preparatory work with the Sheriff of San Francisco and local jail staff, an inmate course was held at San Bruno, one of this Beacon City's own jails, with more to follow. In 2002, two Vipassana courses were held at the Donaldson Maximum Security Prison outside Birmingham, Alabama, with dramatic early results that will no doubt be the source of much more research and documentation as time goes on. Research by the All India Institute of Medical Sciences and others has shown that successful completion of a Vipassana meditation course increases inmates' awareness of their emotions, resulting in a reduction in feelings of anger, tension, hostility, revenge and hopelessness. Drug addiction, neurotic and psychopathological symptoms are also diminished. As a result of the measurable gains recorded, the Indian government recommended that Vipassana courses be held in jails throughout the country. To date, 10-day retreats are being conducted regularly at more than 15 prisons in India. Vipassana has also been successfully used within a special prison program in New Zealand. The Te Ihi Tu Trust is a government-backed habilitation centre run by Māori, the indigenous people of the islands, for Māori pre-release inmates. It is the only centre in the country specifically designed for Māori and embracing kaupapa, Māori values, culture and thinking in a holistic way. Vipassana came to be included in this challenging program for parolees as a result of the influence of staff member Marua Warapuri. After completing his own first 10-day course, he was convinced that the technique would help residents make the necessary change in their lives. Together with another staff member who had taken a course some years earlier, preparations were made to hold a course at the Te Ihi Tu Trust premises. The site was formerly a wing of New Plymouth Hospital and has traditional significance for local Maori people. Staff at Te Ihi Tu responded with real enthusiasm and confidence, and the first course passed off smoothly, with no sense of conflict between the practice of Vipassana and the Maori way of life. They had received a taonga, or treasure, one student commented. Further courses have taken place since. All kinds of doors have been opened for us, residents and staff alike. It's no more us and them. There is no prison culture here. There is only we, and we are Maori, strong in our beliefs and culture. 
I'm proud of the men. T.Y. Staff member. Vipassana helped me get over a lot of issues that I feel have been holding me back. T. Ara Buanga, former resident, now released and in work. I live in a society where people share the same problems of many indigenous people all over the world. Poverty, lost language and identity, colonization and poor education systems, as also throughout the world with indigenous people. Young Maori men are disproportionately populating the prisons in New Zealand. I, for one, am a result of this. So you can expect the type of individual I am, and I won't go into the details of my life experiences, however terrible they may have been. But this disturbing existence caused me to live in my head and withdraw from society. Simply, I was unable to function successfully without harming others and eventually deteriorating to the point of harming myself out of confusion, frustration and desperation. Receiving a substantial prison sentence caused me to evaluate myself for my own benefit and for the well-being of my two lovely young children. This is what opened my eyes and made me reach out to the Te Tu Trust and the challenge of learning Vipassana meditation within the habilitation program. Three months of continuous practice and continuous change which brought me relief self-control and a toehold on a more wholesome lifestyle. Now I know I too can change. It's the law of nature. Tao He Ngaru, Te Ihitu resident. Find this and many more podcasts at Pariyadi a non-profit publisher who offers written, audio, and video content and whose mission is to enrich the world by disseminating the words of the Buddha, providing sustenance for the seeker's journey, and illuminating the meditator's path. For more information, please go to www.pariyatti.org. That's pariyati.org. For more information about Vipassana meditation, please visit www.dhamma.org. That's dhamma.org.